Hold on, let me... Yo, oh, yeah. the, the, the aging thing is happening, right? So Be Real is a it's an app where um it's like Snapchat. Okay. But it gives you a notification of when you can take a picture and it's up for 24 hours. So everyone gets notified around the same time. Like right now, take a picture and okay. it's it's the idea that you're putting up like a raw, unfiltered picture in the moment on the spot. Okay. And that's what so that just, is. Just like when I Google it, the first yeah. thing is what you're saying. The yeah, second yeah. thing is the rapper from Cypress Hill. So like, uh, <laughs> that's how I'm aging myself. Yeah. So when the, you're the, like, the, be real, I'm like, oh, you know, be real. <laughs> Anyways. Whatever. The way you said it made it seem like it's a person. I was like, mm, I don't think we're talking about the same thing. For sure. <laughs> to be honest, Darian, I was like catching up on your podcast. I'm like, do your does your audience want to hear from this like square, right? Like just because no. like. Yeah, You've been given a platform for, you know, people who have been marginalized from science historically, right? And, like, mm-hmm. I just, I don't want to, like, take space, right? Nah, and, not but at anyways. all. Not at all. I, one, I got a lot of feedback that people like um me bringing people that I personally know. Mm-hmm. Because they've said that, like, we can sense the friendship. I knew that it would be very important for you to come on. Because you're starting out your career as like as a PI. And I think people have this idea that like all PIs are scary, intimidating. Y'all are under a lot of stress. And um, and I want to kind of like break that mold and show that, you know, like people like you, PIs are cool. Like, you know, you, sure. you can. I mean, I appreciate it, man. Because like also like I'm not a small dude either. Right. So like I'm a I'm a husky gentleman and like. <sighs> There's even even when like I first met you and stuff like that in, mm-hmm. in our previous institution, just kind of trying to how do I send signals that I'm like I'm an ally, right? An ally, <laughs> yeah. right? Without like coming to you, be like you know you can like, talk to me, kind of thing. Darren, I sense your accent. I know what you are. <laughs> That's Man, not my I, I hope You're gonna get me to code switch or something. I'm gonna be like. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, let's let's let's. I want to introduce you. Right, Hello, cool. everyone, and welcome back to another lovely episode of Scientifically Speaking. Holy moly, my guest today, we go way back, and by way back, this is probably like 2017, 2018. We have Dr. Paul Marco Yezi, who is currently an assistant professor at the University of. Ooh, I should have asked you how to pronounce it. Manitoba? Yes, perfect. Oh, uh, watch. I'm actually from Manitoba, actually. So uh, Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think I knew that. There's some statues around here. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, uh, Dr. Paul Marco Yezi, who is a, an assistant professor at the University of Manitoba, Department of Biochemistry and Medical Genetics in Winnipeg, Canada. Wow. So how long have you been a PI for? Well, uh, I started in June of this summer. So only for about four or five months now. Right? You're a youngin. You're a youngin. youngin. Oh, and my yeah. gosh. So I, I've returned from six years in like the heat of Houston to now coming back to my home country of Canada. And yeah, uh, I did, did not miss the cold. It's already snowing here. 
Oh, okay. So recently, or not recently, well, now, like in Houston, it's it's in the 40s, 40s, 50s. It's too cold, cold for me. Yeah, yeah, it's too cold for me. Also, I realized uh, I'm at Fahrenheit. Um, yes, okay. the, I, yeah. I figured that. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting back to my Celsius, and we're, we're at minus 20 Celsius. You know the minus 20 freezer? You... <laughs> yes. Sir. That's, that's what it, it is. I think before... Um, before I was a research technician, I didn't really understand. Uh, I didn't understand like the degrees in Celsius, but now I, I get a sense of it um, yeah. because obviously the the difference in um, the metric system in, in in science or the different systems in science. So now I yeah, forty degrees Celsius is really hot. Oh, it's for like sure. it's like a hundred degrees Fahrenheit, I think. Right? I, I don't I don't remember exactly, but. I think they meet. Where do they meet? They meet at like negative forty. They're the same, or something like that. I'm, I could be totally wrong. I, you know, I'm not. I'm your first PI, and I'm just like putting out whatever. I no, I remember. think I think that's a good representation of what uh uh new PIs are like. Y'all are just all over the place. We are. We are, and and we know a lot about a little, right? So like, this is the main thing. Is like, tra now I'm training. Like I took on five trainees to start yes. in September. And and by the way, the three full timers, they all know you. Like they all follow you. And they're really? all like <laughs> they all are like giddy about me being on this. So this is wild for them. Yeah. So like that just to show you how big and how far you've come, Darian. It's Holy. just like crazy. Okay. So everyone, Paul literally was here since the very beginning of lab shenanigans, when I yeah. started out my my channel, it was in uh, our previous lab. Well, my previous lab, my previous PI was at the time was I think a postdoc in your previous PI's lab, and uh, I was just under immense pressure and stress. Well, I feel like everyone was in that lab. It's just high productivity of just work, 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 work. And I think we're just all so much under a lot of stress. And so um, since I was my previous PI's um, only research technician, there was a lot of responsibility put on me. I was just so stressed and I just turned to social media. And honestly, it started out as a Finsta of just me posting dumb science videos, content. And it just, oh, I remember, yeah, I remember you mentioned on a previous podcast that I was listening to, like, I, you, I, you know, I felt, I felt very privileged that you shared, like, that even like your previous stuff, the drag, the drag account and like all the, all that, uh, stuff. <laughs> cool, yeah. right? Like, and yeah. then, and then your first few videos were just like, like for this science finsta, were just like hilarious. And you, you kind of like, blew up within our institution and then it just kind of went from there right yeah exactly exactly the funny thing is i try to keep it on the download i didn't want anyone to know because i think that the the idea with a finsta is that it's supposed to be private not a lot of people are supposed to know about it but it just it just grew and i was always afraid of people thinking oh my gosh like darren is just fooling around he's just joking around you know so this is the, this is legit because like oh well how come you're not doing science if you're making these videos but like yeah. people don't realize that most of science are 10 minute incubation here 30 minute incubation here an hour incubation here you know exactly. like there's only so much like 
literature reading you can squeeze in between steps of like a scientific protocol or recipe right so like right. and plus you were physically there like till midnight like almost every night or past that right like yeah. you were working you were there that, yeah. <laughs> i always always afraid that like yeah so that i think um because my previous pi's office was so far from my um like bench mm -hmm. i just always wanted to make sure that every time they walked by that they could see that I'm actually doing experiments, you know? And plus, all my videos were always late at night when everyone was gone. I wanted to make sure that uh, when I was in lab during the daytime, like, I was really productive doing my work. And then at night, uh, before I left lab, let me just make a quick five, ten-minute video. Yeah. And bam, just, just throw it out there. And uh, I think you you were one of the first people to, to, to find my videos. And I forgot his name. Oh, Locke? Locke, yes, yes. And... You and Locke were one of the first people to actually yeah. find my videos. And Zach. Zach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, I was so nervous, too. I was scared yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. back then in that lab, I was so shy and awkward, and I just didn't talk to anybody. Uh, if anything, like, you were the only person that I, that I really talked to. You, Hadeen, Locke, not even Thomas. Thomas sat right behind me in my bay. Which was and, weird. I, I thought like y'all would connect at some point. But. Well, we, we talked, I think, towards the end uh, when my former PI just got the new lab space. So as we were like transitioning out of the lab, that's when I started to open up a bit. But I was just really shy and uh, really awkward. And I was really intimidated of just everyone because everyone there was uh, incredibly smart. And I think you were one of the people where I was like, okay, you're like really smart, but really chill and understanding and also because you worked with my former pi a lot you kind of knew how they were and so i often vented to you about certain things and you were very understanding and you saw both sides that was that was very helpful for like for me to cope with what was going on you know for sure i'm glad it, i'm glad it could help obviously from my perspective you know i came from like doing my phd in canada do a postdoc and the whole point was publish 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 put out this science work work yeah. work get that reference letter right our lives mm -hmm. are like we survive on publishing but we also survive on our pi's reference letter and that's what gives them so much power right over us yeah right because even if they're toxic and you know typically <laughs> they are to some degree right we can all yeah. want something so it's like how do we how do we manage like work work-life balance and like attaining the goals we want and keeping this person happy without like essentially selling your soul or like doing stuff you don't want to be doing right so right it's oh. uh it's complicated i feel like we both went through similar struggles and we we're both under immense pressure to just keep our pis happy yeah whereas my former pi was more like i don't know how to explain it very secretive would have an ulterior motive for everything like manipulative you know? basically like of yeah, yeah I, I guess so it would you know for example the after i left there was a research tech that took my position let's call them uh tommy at this point my former pi was their eyes locked on them because there are certain things that had happened in that lab during my time there and so uh, certain higher-ups were keeping a close eye on, on my former PI. And pretty much all research or all non-exempt employees, like research techs, were only supposed to work 40 hours. 
And if they worked overtime, they had to get you know paid overtime. But they would mask that and say, oh, well, I talked to the department head and they said, you know, that it's unfair that you, you know, people like you want to get a lot of experience and training. And so they understand that you have to work overtime and that it's not fair that you have to get paid more because when you're a grad student, there's a stipend and, you know, you don't get paid more if you work more. And so you can kind of see, you can kind of like read between the lines of what they're wanting to do. And so I remember Tommy, this is when I was like long gone out of, out of the lab. Mm-hmm. Tommy just like FaceTime me out of frustration and said like, I cannot believe they're doing this. Like, how are you handling this? And I told them, I was like, dude, you got to get out. You got to get out. They reminded me so much of myself uh, when I first started in that lab where we just needed to please our PI. I don't know how their situation was, but I had applied to so many research tech positions this is like the only one that I, I like was actually able to like land a job in. And I didn't want to go through the whole process again. And I just felt like, okay, well, I worked hard to get here. Mm-hmm. Let me just suck it up. Let me just continue. Let me just stay. Suck it up, persevere, be tenacious, all that. Like Exactly. Yeah. But everyone, if you see yellow red flags, I probably you should address them early on. Yeah. Or get out, get out. That is my that is my biggest advice. For sure, for sure. And I mean, there's something like just on the other side, Darian. Yeah. Like, like when you're starting PI, we're we're actually not trained to be PIs. PIs are people yeah. managers, project managers. Mm-hmm. We're trained to be bench scientists, right? Yep. But then yep, all yep. of a sudden, okay, now like you're such a good scientist. Now go like run a lab and tell tell other people what to do. And just because you're a great scientist doesn't necessarily make you a great PI, right? So like- That is so true. Yeah, because my former PI, literally one of the smartest people I know. For sure. Agreed. Outside of lab, we get along so well. And our personalities, surprisingly, are so similar. And I think that's how I was able to land the job so quickly. Because during my interview, we just, we just connected. Uh, I, I guess I didn't see um, their leadership, their managing style until we started moving to the new lab space. And so uh, definitely during my time, when we were like in the same um, lab before my PI became a PI, that was probably the period where I felt so, I felt very close with my, my PI. And I was so passionate about this project where I really didn't mind, you know, mm-hmm staying late at night because it genuinely was fun for me. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree that uh, once you become a PI, you're kind of like all these different responsibilities are thrusted upon you. You're, you have to learn how to uh, mentor so many trainees. You have to attend meetings. Like so many meetings, everything. And, And what's funny is my previous PI was like, oh, at the beginning, your first three to five years, you're your own best postdoc. You gotta be on the bench. But my day is spent meetings, training other, like, I don't have, like, so if you want me on the bench, I need to basically, you know, disregard work-life balance and, like, at night and, and, and work on the bench, right? Um, Yeah. The only thing else is, like, it is normal, like, I see it a lot with new PIs to have, like, high, high turnover rates, particularly in the first couple years, they're kind of getting their footing for mentoring. And then also... Sometimes like they don't get a lot of applicants for different positions. So they just yeah. kind of take, not that you were one of those, cause you were stellar Darian, like your organization, your like ability to get 
so much in vivo data, like a bulk of in vivo data for, oh, thank for that you. lab. Like, anyway, and even I remember your ending sort of talk, you gave a presentation near the end. Yeah, yeah. Really awesome. Um, thank you. So, but my point is, is that, is that for, um, it's basically normal for like non, not necessarily toxic reasons. There is usually high turnover, just figuring yeah. out like, who are the people that are going to stay longer term, who like if the PI figuring out their like mentoring style, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but obviously with your old PI, that was the turnover was to an extreme. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like I think beyond normal. in the span of two years, we, I think at least five people had left. I think this is why I, I valued spending time with you so much. You do a good job of speaking for both sides. And sometimes in the moment when I'm just so caught up with like my emotions and there's just so much rage and sadness, yeah, you're able to give the other pers- the other person's perspective and allow me to like put myself in their shoes and kind of understand where they're coming from. I think the problem I see like in academia and, 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 and biomedical science is obviously there's this pressure and to publish, right? And we oh, are, yeah. our careers are made on publishing. And it's not just the pressure on the PI, it's pressure on postdocs and down and, and down this hierarchy, right? This old yeah. pyramid of, of, of power. But like, we have to ask ourselves, what are we really doing here? Like, what what is the point of running a lab mm-hmm. beyond just doing research? Because at the end of the day, if the goal is to just find positive results and put that out it's just asking for problems. That's why we want more transparent, open science, right? Publishing yeah. negative results, et cetera. And like less less of this emphasis on like impact factors of journals, et cetera. Yes. So if it becomes, the question is, what are we really doing in science? We want to know the truth. We want to get a better approximation of reality, right? That's mm-hmm. That's the goal. And then we don't do it alone because it's not like hundreds of years ago when, you know, you could do it alone because there wasn't really the like big equipment to do it. Right. Now we do it in teams beyond even just our own labs. Yeah. And the whole point of the academic event, like endeavor for your grad students and even for techs or anybody in your lab is mentorship is teaching it. Right. So like right. at the end of the day, the real thing is like, don't be an asshole if you're a PI, right? Like regardless of whatever we're talking about, but like my goal is a PI the publications will come mm-hmm. if people in my lab are happy, want to be in the lab, they enjoy mm-hmm. being in the lab, they enjoy learning different things, yep, different yep, techniques, yep. applying their knowledge. The, the the data will come naturally after that, as opposed to just kind hands of down. This, this approach that's just like, get the data, get the data, right? Hands down, hands. One of the great things about this lab is that it's it's the complete, the current lab that I'm in, it's so, the yeah, opposite okay. of my former lab. and. Yeah. I think my PI, my current PI understands me so well is because um, during his either PhD or his postdoc, he went through uh, what I went through. And he's just so understanding where everyone in this lab is already self-motivated. He's not pushing anyone to to get any results. Everyone, uh, I mean, he's under a lot of stress, obviously, by like, you know, grants and stuff. But he, he doesn't show that stress or he doesn't put it on to us. And everyone here, I think he's just selected the right group of people where we're all self, um, very self-motivated and we all motivate each other to do even better and to get data. That's awesome to hear. So you can, are you going to do like a PhD in this lab? You know, I was thinking about it. 
for the longest time, and I, I mention it a couple of times in my early episodes on the podcast. Yeah. I uh, but every time I come crawling back and wanting to do a PhD, new opportunities come. A huge part of me just tells me, do both. You got to do both. For sure. But, um, but is this the type of PI that could be flexible around these opportunities you're getting? Yes, super. He's very supportive. He actually set up a meeting with uh, me and what's his name? Oh my gosh. YouTuber. His name is Derek Verit- Veritasium. Veritasium. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And um, really chill guy, really uh, amazing guy. And we had an hour long talk about just like my future career. And I got some advice from him. And he's like, honestly, dude, like with what you're wanting to do, you really don't need a PhD. Agree. And I'm like, okay, yeah. But, but similar to how like my undergrad, I didn't have to pursue a theater degree. I just wanted to for the heck of it. It was so fun. Um, It was stressful because I had to double major, but I had, um, I, I genuinely enjoyed having that that amount of workload on my shoulders and being able to balance it out. And in the end, my theater degree has helped me in so many ways. And so I think like a PhD would be similar in that aspect where I don't have to get a PhD, but I want to because I want the rigorous training. I want to learn more. And who knows, like having a PhD under my belt can help me in other areas in life. At the For same sure. time, I know that if I were to go into grad school, I want I would want to put my all into it and I don't want to divide my attention because I know how stressful yeah. grad school can be seeing I other mean, PhD students. It's it's important that you're having this kind of like hesitation in the sense that like it is it is a rigorous endeavor, right? But right. from my perspective and and I guess it's a it's a matter of what you want to do long term and obviously you you you're doing well in in all these other aspects with these other opportunities, but you know, the question is you know, I didn't know I was going to be a PI when I started grad school. Like uh-huh. I, it was, you know, if you think about it, 7% of postdocs, and this is an older number, become PIs. So a lot of us don't, you know, don't even don't even do postdocs. So many yeah. people who have PhDs don't become PIs. That being said, obviously, we need more people like you, Darian, leading labs. So like, obviously, a PhD is a, is a way mm. on the road to get there. But if you don't want it, you don't want it, right? Like, don't let me like change that. I, I'm, I let's put it this way, Darian. No matter what you do, you'll excel at it because that's just what you do. But you just need to find Stop out. Stop gassing me up, Paul. You're making me blush. Oh my gosh. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm I, all I remember during my PhD, we had two Korean like postdocs uh-huh. and they like challenged two of us to mm. like, I think it was their spiciest, but I didn't even like, I think I ate half, but like I knew it was going to be really bad. So like mm-hmm. I, I was drinking something like two liters of water and they said that like, I like 
it wasn't fair that I drank that so much water and I should have to deal with the consequences. Oh, no. As we all know, water is polar and um, capsaicin, which is the, the main thing that makes things spicy, is yeah. uh, is nonpolar. So the best thing to do is drink milk. Or I've, I've even read stories of people um, gargling their tongue with oil, like vegetable oil or yeah, olive that oil. Makes sense. Here's another way to, I guess, neutralize it. Adding cheese, adding cheese yeah. to it. So that's what I do. Or like, like I want yogurt, yogurt or something might work, right? Yeah, but like I add it, I add it in in the ramen noodles. In, oh, in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I, I like this. I like the noodle, but sometimes it gets too spicy. I love the flavor, but sometimes it's too spicy. So I'll add cheese to kind of like neutralize the spiciness, you know? Because right. cheese, dairy, you know, um, fat, nonpolar, all that, yeah. We we definitely miss the food in Houston though. Like oh yeah, so many. Everyone of sleeps on the food in Houston. Every time I'm like, y'all need to go to Chinatown. Y'all need to do this. We have the best crawfish. That is not. There is no debate. It is a fact. It's not I mean, scientifically you, proven, but it is Darien approved. So there's only two things wrong with Houston slash Texas food. One, more isn't always better, right? So sometimes it's like, True. oh, more queso, more whatever, and it just drowns whatever you're. Yeah. Anyway, there's there's some some things that some Houston restaurants tend to do that I'm just like, no, like. This, this is this. the part where I cancel you for trash talking Houston. Never come back. <laughs> we don't want you back here anyway. <laughs> oh, so my city, Winnipeg, so Winnie the Pooh, that's Winnie where the Pooh. name was from. You're lying. I'm not lying, man. Look it up. Bible. Look it up. Bible. Um, so it was like basically the Canadian forces in like one of the world wars or something. I can't remember. I think it was the first one. They like, there was like a, something about a bear named Winnie, like it was in the UK or something and AA Milner, I, I might even be getting the name wrong, but who wrote Winnie the Pooh. But anyway, the name, the name came from Winnipeg because the Canadian forces were who were there that Winnipeg and named the bear or something. Anyway. I feel like that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. At the same time, I'm so gullible. If you like made up the whole story on the spot, I believe you, you won. You said you're taking five trainees right now. Yeah. So it was that a is a bit, lot. Yeah. A lot of my colleagues were like, what are you doing? Um, so two of them are called honors students. So they're only really around like, you know, five to 10 hours a, a week. Uh, so are they like, like undergrads high school yeah students? so they're under they're undergrad doing like a fourth year project but they have other courses going on so uh, like they're not really that involved and then yeah, i have yeah. one mass one master student wow. and then two co-op students which are our undergrads as well mm-hmm. i have another master student starting in january and a couple more next year but i'm really just dealing with like three right now it's been been awesome we had like a lab bowling night i'm trying you know, I'm Ugh. I'm putting like anonymous like idea concern boards. Like I'm I'm kind of going a little bit all out, like to basically they're well aware that like yeah I've been very transparent. Like I, I love I that. wasn't trained for this, right? Like help me yeah. out here if there's things that you think we should do better. I but- love that about you. That's the difference between um how you're managing the lab and compared to like my previous PI, where I think maybe the idea of power and authority got to their head where they never showed any signs of vulnerability uh or like transparency and it was always i'm the pi you're the research tech like whatever i say is is the law yeah 
my PI now is, is always uh, very transparent and very honest with us. And I think being vulnerable and honest goes a longer way than trying to create a wall, you know? Yeah, and no, totally. I think what you're doing is amazing. And I think it's healthy for the lab too, you know, that they can yeah. always come to you. If there is, if there is something that's bothering them, whereas I was too scared. I held a lot back in my old lab until one day towards the very end. I don't want to say it too much, but I think, you know, it just got very messy in the very end. For sure. I mean, what from what I remember, yeah. I was a little annoyed at HR because they, from what I remember, I, I kind of, I get all my dates mixed up of what yeah, happened, yeah. but like they, they didn't really like protect you the way that HR is supposed to. No. At the end of the day, HR is there to protect the institution, mm-hmm. protect the image of the institution. Yeah. So naively, I, I trusted HR yeah. in the middle of their whole investigation. That's when I realized, oh my gosh, like, I think I messed up. You're thinking in hindsight now, right? Amazing choice, right? And so, yeah. Oh my gosh, I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> I don't know. I would... Wait, no. HR, protecting was... the PIs. Oh, dang. I, I know by the time when I listen to this and edit, I'm be like, oh my gosh, Darren, you're so stupid. You're going to talk about this. And then you lost your train of thought. No, nah, no, nah, I, inter- I interrupted. Typical. No. typical me. no, yeah, actually, that's why you're a terrible PI. I am. I am. I'm, really, I'm like, I'm secretly going to switch flip mode on them and like, just like totally become talk. No, no, no. But no, it's just, it's just, uh, it's, it's great. However, like that being said, like on the flip side as a PI, like I, my ex, I can't have the expectations that mm-hmm. my XPIs like yeah. had, right? Like, science will happen at a slower pace it is what it is right so like things will take time but it's like relationship building it's it's like trying to be like a good leader trying to like help them be leaders and stuff and there's a whole Mm -hmm. like one thing you know i kind of one thing we need to talk about is edi right like i'm another another white man getting a pi position right and when i when i applied in the uh-huh. fall of 2021, I applied to 57 places. And that's actually not that much because the pandemic severely like made it so there was less positions to apply to. Most most seasons, like in the fall, people apply to like 100. So I applied to like everything. Yeah. And of course, I'd hear murmurs from like other white dudes like, oh, they didn't, you know, it's going to be so hard. They're not going to hire us anymore. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I did fine. I had like five or six interview invites like I did well then again work. you did amazing work no no I I mean like I was sort of competitive I but my point is is like it's really important to me so I I should shout out Winnipeg a bit more so this place is kind of historical for Canada it's where tr- the first treaty was signed with the indigenous folks in the area so it's like mm. treaty one territory. Okay. Oh, come on um, history. I did not know yeah. any of this. Wow. Okay. So, like 20% of the city is indigenous. Like, um, so mm. it's, it's, there's a lot of first nations here um, and, and Métis and I'm, I'm not naming them all, but um, anyways, it's a very uh, diverse city. It's got uh-huh. a huge Filipino Nigerian and uh, um, 
Oh, what else? Like anyway, it's it's diver it's a diverse city. Um but the point the point I'm trying to make I is is just for for new PIs, if yeah. if we can't if it still seems to be that like obviously from my own self interest, I, I wanted to be a PI, yes. I'm right. a cishet white male, but now the goal is like, well, how do I support and prop up people who don't look like me mm-hmm. to get high enough in the system if they so choose right because not everybody wants to be a pi right so identifying individuals and propping them up because again if you look back at the science Mm -hmm. science shows that pis don't send don't tend to promote work from people from underrepresented backgrounds right so like knowing that and having an awareness i need to like kind of overcompensate a bit to like show that that's fair Mm -hmm. with with you know, other people that typically get the same amount of promotion, right? right. Um, My anyway, thing is, go to yeah. Twitter. I think Twitter is a good place. Academia, academic Twitter is a really good place to promote other people's work. For you know? sure. And At the again, same time, are, yeah. sometimes I, I can kind of, with some uh, lab Twitter accounts, mm-hmm. I feel like I can kind of see through it where for sure. it's just for show. For sure. You know? And so how do you, how how do you bring authenticity, right? Yeah. So like um cuz cuz this is what's so like Darian like our grant some of our grants at least in Canada and it's probably true in the states too. There are sections to write about diversity, equity, inclusion about your lab mm. and you're 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 supposed to it's not supposed to be like a list well I have this many this this right. many whatever because some of these things you're not even supposed to be able to tell, right? Like you're not mm-hmm. asking people about you know whether they're GLBT plus right Q yeah so it's more about what is your process for having a, an inclusive lab right so do you like when you look at resumes right not all like someone from you know an indigenous background or another background that's underrepresented in science they might not have like the same CV but they might be you know teaching within their own like tribe or something like that's not the typical thing but is still like productive in their yeah. like community right, right so right. you need to kind of like not discount that and and kind of like like have a more equitable say about how you look at cvs you need to promote like where you post your jobs right so like yeah posting true. on on as many wide open spots and with flexible language right so well a lot of a lot of stuff whether it's you know if people have kids they need to leave the lab by like 435 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but if you're like saying in your, in your job hosting, you need to work like nine to seven or whatever, like our whole institution at a minimum, like like just like knocked people out. Right. I remember from um, our previous institution, there were certain PIs who would um, not be okay if they found out that a postdoc in the lab was having another kid or something. Oh yeah. And I, that terrifies me. Like that is not the environment that yeah. we should be in. But it it is what it is, you know. Yeah. And that's terrifying. You just reminded me of something. For those that are applying to grad school and are going through interviews, in person interviews for uh, or or online interviews, I guess, for grad school. Uh, every PI or most PIs will always ask at the very end, "Do you have any questions for me?" That's the important part. You always have to ask a good question. Always ask a question. And don't choose a basic ass question like, why did you choose this institution? 
Mm-hmm. No. Uh, the question I always ask, and it always um, it always shook them a little because they're like, whoa, like no one's ever asked me that is, or how are you being inclusive with your lab? Or I would ask them, you know, as a department head, how are you um, trying to diversify or how you how are you being inclusive with the department? Or are there any LGBT plus organizations in this this institution? Um, why not? Or have you done anything to promote this organization? And that's when I think sometimes it, it sometimes it can rock the boat where they're like, oh my gosh, like you're calling us out. But I mean, someone has to bring it up, right? Yeah. And I mean, it, I'm tempted to answer for myself right now, but like, <laughs> do it, because, do it. No, because like part of it was like in even all the job applications that for, for these PI positions, there's usually a one page diversity statement again to state like what you've done. Right. And so yeah. like, Obviously, I've had the chance to mentor a lot of people from diverse backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, you know, from what I've been tr- like specific stuff. I've done like some volunteering and science communication to like marginalized like high schools and, and elementary schools so that like kids from those schools get to see like these science demos and stuff. And that was yeah, PhD, I've tried to like uh, showcase like women in science and in, in like a a nano symposium for Canadian neuroscience. It didn't get accepted. But anyways, the point is, is just listing all these things here. When I just started, like my first thing I like spent, like, you know, all those, like in this lab, we, whatever. Yeah. Like, so like support all, <laughs> yeah. all these, right. So like, that's, I put that on like both my doors and then now mm-hmm. like my colleagues are like, Oh, can I have a copy of that? And like putting it on their doors. Right. Mm-hmm. So that these are small things. Um, but like, like at the end of the, and then at the end of the day is like, of course there's workshops and seminars to learn yeah. about microaggressions, all these other, other things. So that mm-hmm. we're aware unconscious bias training, because I don't pretend like I tell my students, like I'm, there'll be missteps, right? Like, but like, mm-hmm. again, I'm, I'm sort of one of these things, like I'm not, it's not the end of the world. If I made a statement that is problematic, it's, it's the end of the world. If I, if I, choose to not see it as problematic and and keep saying it right so like right you know just knowing that like there's a system in place that like i was raised in that like you know missteps can happen i should be doing my best to like to essentially like learn and and understand why these are problematic or concerning things to say and and keep going one of my um regrets in my old lab was that there were times where the PI would like say something that was that was that's a microaggression and uh and I would not speak up on it because I was afraid of getting in trouble. They often turned it on me to somehow antagonize me. But I remember this is when we're still in um the same like same lab space and I often just like left my phone, my laptops out uh on my desk and PI always warned me, um, make sure you hide your stuff because there was an incident where someone came in and would just go to each floor and just take people's belongings and they would hide in the stairway. And um, and the way that they, that they described that person was, yeah, there was this one time this African-American man came in and he would steal people's belongings. He blended in because he was actually dressed nice. And that's that yeah so that that was a actually actually yeah actually was the um the keyword it it, it shocked me but i didn't say anything for several reasons i just started working in that lab my viewpoint at the time was okay they're the boss 
I am the underling. Don't talk back. And maybe it's part of my culture too, where you just don't argue. You don't talk back to anyone older than you. So I, I didn't say anything, but I remember just like thinking, wow. And also you have one of your other trainees is African-American. So like, wow. Yeah. But so, I mean, the city itself, 30%, right? These things are per- pervasive and it's just kind of like, like I, I, in that power dynamic, how, what do you say, right? Like, what do you mean by actually? And then yeah. it just, she flips it on you and then. Yeah. And I think that that I was mean, another I, yeah. I red had the same flag thing. that. Well, I'm not going to like name names, but certain bosses that like literally said certain terms and it's like, well, what do I do? Right. Like, again, mm-hmm. especially once you get to that postdoc stage, mm-hmm. you are like, again, it's it's publications and that reference letter. Right. And you don't yep, like yep. the systems designed that you don't want to ro- rock the boat. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my question is, is like, how can we develop ways? Right. Because everyone's like afraid, like not like. People are like, oh, I'm afraid of being canceled or fired or whatever. But like, how mm-hmm. can if people can we have genuine conversations about yeah. moving, you know, like taking obviously there's stuff that's extreme, whether it's sexual harassment or whatever that needs to be like called out. Right. Person needs to be lose a job or charged or whatever. Which but I like, found out is actually um, it happens a lot. It, it, it Unfortunately, it does. Uh, and and it's it's another friggin secret because, again, you're dealing with like, you know, typical male perpetrators, right? Mm-hmm. And they're aging and they're always have people in the lab that are like 20, 30 years old. And it's a power, di- it's a it's a hierarchy, right? It's a power structure, the way it's set up, like even from like postdoc, grad student, tech, whatever, undergrad. Mm-hmm. So like it can breed like in certain people, right? This, I don't know if what it is in, in the, the boss, like entitlement or whatever, or like, I don't know how it breeds this like, for sure, yeah, leans towards that, but it's definitely like the stories I've heard from women in science. Like a lot of them have stories, right? And like, yeah, we have to believe them, and and not like these people are still working or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there are like they can get cut off from like like NIH grants and stuff like that. And um, but again, you know, anyway, I'm talking about more like kind of like microaggressions, yeah, yeah. like like smaller stuff that like maybe if people are like able to grow can identify and be like, you know what, you know, even if it was like a quote unquote, like, mm-hmm. I don't like using this term, but like a subordinate or whatever your employee yeah. um, who points it out. It's like, can we still, we're all still adults here, right? Like can, mm-hmm. can, can someone learn and from, from something like that? But yeah, you're sure. totally right. The sexual Maybe it arrest. comes from a, maybe it comes from a place of nativity. But I really didn't know that that was a thing until I started doing like motherfucking tea on my Instagram story. And people, I received like, like probably about a hundred submissions. And I want to say 20% of them deal with sexual harassment. Is it usually, is it usually the PI or someone else in the lab? Someone else. Oh, I would say like, yeah, it's It's like, oh, like this person got fired for sexual harassment or this person is being investigated for or yeah. I knew someone in this other lab happened years ago. You know, from the outside, when I started, when I applied as a research tech, I really thought research was just, it's a happy place. It's um, fun and everyone loves research. But being in it for, for a while, like, you begin to see the like, cracks a little bit, you know? And yeah. I feel like that's with every workplace, you know? Every workplace is not all rainbows and butterflies. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of stress, tension that goes on. And 
Um, and sexual harassment, anyone can be, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyone can be a sexual a harasser. Or a harasser, yeah. Yeah, because you, you'll hear stories of like Jared, the subway yeah. guy. You know? You know about that story, right? Wasn't it pedophilia? Like, even me coming here to this department, yeah, it's in it's in the new it's been published, but there was a PI that like had child porn on his like computer and he got fired and everything, and it was all on the news here. But okay. nobody no like he has lab equipment, but nobody wants to touch it because it's you know got it's like tainted. Bad, it's tainted, right? Like <laughs> it has like, bad juju. Oh my a, god. Yeah. So like what? It's yeah, like this stuff. I mean, I think in a, most workplaces, right, there's a certain percentage of this stuff. I don't know about academia per se. I'd say on the like colleague side, right, is like when you're undergrad and everything's fun and you're like mm-hmm. there's lots of jokes flying around. And then even in grad school, there's a lot of jokes. Then there's yeah. this like morphing to postdoc where it it, it becomes more like, oh, I, I got to get like a a job after this yeah. right and there's this i remember consciously when i like like in during my phd in ottawa um it was it like we joked a lot and probably yeah. like with as with any jokes not all of them are in great taste right so like it's but like i remember consciously being like in my postdoc i'm i can't like yeah i, I kind of sense that too as you climb up like the academic ladder there is um obviously a bigger sense of professionalism and mm-hmm. professionalism. I think because of my position, obviously like I'm on, I guess you can say I'm on the bottom of a totem pole. I can make a lot of jokes, dumb jokes on Twitter and get away with it because I have, I guess nothing to lose, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, do you, do you watch love is blind by the way? Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. Season three. Yeah. Yeah. I just, we just got caught up. What, what a twist. Who's your favorite couple? So it's it's weird because every you know I liked Alexa and Brennan for a while but like uh-huh. but like I I just don't know how what I feel like like her family and friends seem pretty like kind of rude to Brennan kind of thing a bit like mm-hmm. I don't know but you never know what they like show and stuff right Pe- people think like who is it Matt and uh Colleen uh, Colleen they think like Matt clearly has a drinking problem and like a, an anger problem but like yeah, I, I kind of creeped all their Instagrams. It's like a year later and they're still it still seems like they're together. So like, I don't know how warranted all the like pray for Colleen type thing. <laughs> you know, first, maybe. Yeah, maybe giving them benefit of the doubt. Maybe yeah. they're able to work things through. I mm-hmm. feel like with the relationships, you can it goes downhill with a yeah. problem or you overcome that problem together. And for that sure. relationship only becomes stronger. For sure. Did you, though, the dichotomy of that strip club scene, like, so the boys are all, like, just drinking, talking at a bar, talking about their families, uh-huh. and, the, and the ladies were all at, like, a, a male strip club, and the, there was, yeah. like, there, it was a little bit gratuitous with, this, with the crotch shots I found. I was like, whoa, like, this is... I'm not gonna lie. I... <laughs> I want to hear this reaction. Did you miss <laughs> that? <laughs> There's, a uh, for a part, I want to say, like, most of season three, yeah, I'm watching it while I'm quantifying data. Oh, and so okay. like I'm listening, but I'm not seeing it. You know, I, I, Darian, I would love to know, like, especially from your perspective. Yeah, the the dichotomy <laughs> of like alternating between these like pretty pretty like I mean, 
they do gratuitous like booty shots for for women yeah. so like it's probably comparable but like i had never like seen it that gratuitous like oh. like on t on like a television show um and then it would flip to the dudes and they're just like oh this is how i feel and they're just like having a boring like bachelor party i mean pretty interesting the word is though at the like reunion the guys like did an off-camera bachelor thing that was oh apparently... yeah and this is where there was like some between Cole, Cole and Zane. yeah exactly so like we don't and and still we don't really know because the guys either either held it together or didn't go like mm. didn't go out some of them didn't go to that i don't know because here's the thing i still think cole like like has is problematic and has like a lot of a lot of are you bipolar that question <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. oh like, my even, gosh like, don't get me wrong and like so like people are kind of piling on Zaynab and like i understand to an extent but i also understand a lot of people are sensitive about like eating and stuff like that and i could mm -hmm. see how she could interpret it like like you saw the the, yeah. the post clip right after yeah, the yeah, yeah. Hearing, right so like here's it, it's usually always a two-way street but like yeah. cole's cole's still like i'm, I'm what what i i can relate to Zainab. Yeah. not that i agree with her but i can relate yeah. to her because when you feel insecure about something mm -hmm. whatever comes out of the other person's mouth yeah you think that they're gonna poke in on your insecurity yeah and i say that because in my previous lab there are a lot of things i was insecure about and every comment that that my yeah. pi made i took it directly like they're criticizing me on this when looking back on it maybe they weren't criticizing me on that maybe in the moment i just felt insecure on something and i i kept it with that that anger with me for so long but it was just a misunderstanding you know maybe the yeah. intention wasn't to do that yeah. But anyway, we have 10 minutes left and I actually got a confocal uh, reservation oh, soon. Dude, and you're still working hard. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so Paul, thank you so much for being a no guest problem. on this episode. Do you have any advice for the listeners? Yeah, I mean, so advice, you know, you don't have to know what you want to do right away. So we didn't really talk about it here, but like out of high school, I didn't do any of my sciences um, mm -hmm. I, I did an arts degree first in criminology, thinking I'd be a cop. I actually, after a four-year arts degree in criminology, I worked for the Ottawa police as a civilian. I didn't like the subculture. It wasn't, you know, the, the people that were, they were hiring as cops just weren't like, I didn't feel I, I fit the profile and, you know, maybe it would have been better if I did become a cop. But anyways, I fell in love with science, like later in life, like at like 23, went back to high school after my arts degree, took calculus, algebra, uh, chemistry, then did a BSc in integrated science, thinking I would do like forensic science and just work mm -hmm. in like a, a Royal Canadian Mounted Police lab <laughs> and 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 do forensics. But when it came time to do my independent project, yeah, got into a Parkinson's lab, supervisor that then vouched for me there to do grad school, did that. The point is, is it's never too late to like change careers for sure go back. um and that that's my piece of advice thank you so much i know that like people around my age there's there's this need or this internal race of we need to get to the finish line now we need to settle down now uh we don't have time to go back to school and no that's not true at all thank you for sharing your story hey i know people who do phds at a later age in life and for sure 
I might join. I might join that list. Come up here to win a. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to join your lab. Imagine. Oh Imagine yeah. if I joined your lab. That we didn't talk about, but the stipends in Canada are real low, man. I mean, we have universal health care, although our system is like kind of falling apart because of COVID. It was falling apart before COVID, but like our stipends are not what it is. But I would, if you join my lab, you would be paid, paid, paid uh, according <laughs> to your experience, which is pretty high. I think this, the the stipend at my current institution is, I want to say 34, 34K USD. Yeah, I feel like so you're going to you're going to cry. But um, so granted that do you pay tuition if you're if you're. No, no. OK, no, yeah. no. so like it's it's wild here. So not only not only do they pay tuition, which is only like five grand a year or something like that for uh-huh. the first two years, and then it's like five hundred a year. But stipends start at like. 18,000 Canadian. So like, that's like, yeah, it's, you can't Fuck even, no, it's, baby. It's, it's, it's wild. And here's the thing, rightfully we need to, there's a whole push for parliament to raise graduate stipends, yeah. which I'm all for. Is that even but, livable? 18K? Yeah. But the problem is, is like, if we raise those stipends, who's paying, right? Because yeah. our startups are still super low and our like, our federal grants from CIHR and NSERC are super low. So all boats need to raise, right? So, yeah. like, it's just, uh, I don't know what's going to happen, how they're going to do, how they're going to, like, implement this. Because they might just do, like, oh, we'll put out more, like, competitive fellowships. But then, like, you have grad students that win these fellowships that are getting 40 a year. And then you have the people who didn't win the fellowship making 18. So, it's, like, is uh-huh. that equitable, right? Like, right. like, don't get me wrong. They're competitive fellowships. But, like... Oh Can we God. have something a little bit closer than that, right? So I don't, I don't know. This is an interesting conversation. Yeah, Paul, sure. if you're not busy in a couple of weeks, yeah. I would love to have you back on. For sure. Not man. a promise, not a promise. But um, I have a long list of people that I would yeah, love yeah. to have on. The, and I, I like the idea that I'm going to bring on people that were already on the podcast. And it's mm-hmm. like a catch-up, like... Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 392 of Just Speaking. Remember Paul from episode 20, whatever. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> so sure. I think I, I would love to catch up with you. And yeah, because we didn't catch even up. touch base about like uh, Simone and Noel and Mariah. I know. Mariah. It's crazy to know that like we I've known you mm. that long before they were born. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Which is wild. Yeah. Our friendship is older than your children. Older than kids, yeah. So that officially makes you Uncle Darian to them. I know. I am a gunkle, finally. I'm a gunkle. (laughs) (laughs) You know what a gunkle is, right? Um, Can I, I'll I'll take a guess. Go for it. Go for it. So like, because in like gay communities, sometimes you call each other girl or whatever, right? Uh So is it kind of like girl uncle because you're gay or gay uncle? Gay uncle. There you go. Imagine okay. if imagine if I'm like, no, it means green uncle. I mean I'm environmentally friendly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this no, right cancel you. This right I cancel feel you. I feel I was I was I was in the ballpark. Yeah, Anyways. you are. Okay. All, All right, right Paul, man. Thank you so much for <laughs> Thank you so much for being on this episode. I really enjoy catching up with you. And everyone, I hope you have a great day. 